2: You ever have that thing where you're in a good mood, but like what you listen to in the morning, like preps you up? I sure I fully intended to listen to every single second of this station this morning, but I went down a rabbit hole musically. And it just and it ended with me listening to the BGS to love somebody about seven times, and I am just there, man. Maybe it's because earlier today when I walked in, somebody had smoked tree out in the lobby, and it was just vape. Maybe you I got hot, a little, boxed. Little, uh, hot box. Huh?
3: little got hot box. I could have
2: gotten a hot box. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling great, buddy. I'm well, feeling
3: great. Welcome to the show. I feel like I wish it was Friday. It's Thursday. We're close. Yeah, I. The week has gone by pretty quickly. Once you and get, get a three-day weekend, once you up. get
2: to Wednesday, to me, you're cruising, right? Monday and Tuesday, it doesn't matter how good a mood I'm in. Monday and Tuesday, are always a fight. Yeah, I mean, listen, just get me through tonight, and
3: tomorrow will be easy, and then long weekend of football mm-hmm. and Cavaliers on
2: Monday. Going to the game, by the way. 3.30. I I I came up. Well, you're gonna love the parlay later. Let me just say that. Okay. I came up with two things I really like on tonight's. And I actually made it my own parlay and then added two more things. That's how confident I am at the Nick and Dusty parlay at the end of today's show. Love it. So, because last night's didn't work out. And it was all Jalen Brunson's fault. <laughs> like, I texted you. Jalen Brunson just decided he was gonna be like vintage Derek Rose, like yeah. with five minutes to go. And it was just like, oh, Screw that totally great add to the parlay of that's Indiana funny. over the Knicks. Not that I'm upset about it. I'm very upset about it. Bulls blew that game too. Yeah. They had the Bulls. It just I they were up like 20. I'm I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm going to start to be that guy. The NBA's rigged. Totally right? rigged. <laughs> and it's rigged cuz I haven't won on the bets that I have made now. Um actually I won 2 nights ago. I just didn't win tonight or last night rather. Okay. Cuz that's how time goes. You have 2 nights ago, then last night, and then tonight would be tonight. Carry the two. He's in a good mood. He's in a great mood.
3: I I Keith can be honest. Fired with you. up today, man. I gotta
2: be honest with you. And this, I'm gonna put everybody on notice here. Kayla, love you. Dusty, love you. Vicari, love you. Keith and I. We're in a mood. We got it. Whatever we 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 have it in spades today. So everybody's gonna have to ride. You know, was it uh, rising tides lift all boats? Uh, prepare for your boats to be lifted because that's what today is gonna be. Well, let's lift these boats. Let's Let's, have some fun. Let's lift these boats. And, you know, we had Albert on yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you heard it all over the morning show today. You heard a lot of Albert on the morning show. Oh, yeah. They played a lot of cuts. Yeah, a lot of cuts. And so if you haven't heard any of those since the morning show, I actually wanted to play something that got me thinking that Albert had to say yesterday. And it was Albert talking about how incoming defensive coordinator candidates. Mm -hmm view the Cleveland Browns, and maybe how the Browns themselves view their defense?
4: You know, you want to look at the history of Brian Flores and the job he did in New England, um, in 2018 for a Super Bowl team and how valuable a coach he was before that. You know, and you can cut through, you know, like some of the stuff that's happened over the last year or so. I think you could see where somebody like Bob Quinn would see this as a great opportunity for the Browns to bring a culture changer in, you know, as their defensive coordinator. because I do think that that's part of the job is, is changing the culture on defense. I know, you know, when some of these guys have watched the Browns film, you know, ahead of, of going and interviewing for the job, they look at it and they say, ah, I don't know if that's just a scheme issue. I think it's a little bit deeper than that on that side of the ball for Cleveland.
2: What a job interview Brian Flores has today as it's Brian Flores Day or Jim Schwartz yesterday or Gerard May or Sean Desai. Like, all right, well, what do you think of schematically? Schematically, I got a couple things we can change. All right, anything else? Well, what about the people? Is there any way we can completely change the culture related to the people playing it? Because that also kind of sucks. But yet, the reality... Can I tell you I'm happy to hear that? That tells me that at least somebody in the organization knows that it wasn't... Yes, Joe Woods needed to go. Yes, Joe Woods clearly didn't have the relationship necessary to get every all the ducks in a row early. But Dustin, it wasn't just about Joe Woods. Two things can be true. Joe Woods could have been an underwhelming defensive coordinator and... We could be we could, we listen. A lot of guys in that defense could use a different kind of voice and somebody who can go ahead and, and yeah. cut through the BS. That's what they need. I mean, we're, we're we're
3: talking about guys that I think will command the locker room, command the defensive room when they get in front of the group. Um, somebody that's going to hold guys accountable and players, you know, respect mm-hmm. and have a certain level of reverence for.
2: Well, and I also think it's just about. Yeah, that word culture is is fairly nebulous. It's a fairly generic term. But like I even though I worry about Kevin's leadership, I worry about his leadership because the defense has been this year. I should say this year. The defense is where the personality issues were. But the other part of this is last year it was the offense. Last year it was OBJ and it was Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield. So it's it's really tough. Like I think I think getting everybody on defense will go a long way to fixing up some of the issues. Maybe, maybe next year we'll have a defense we actually like to watch play. Like, meaning like, defenses can be good. Defenses can be bad. Sure. But in Cleveland, the number one thing is we we want two things: play hard and bust some ass. Exactly. Like, like just hit people. Be a, a be aggressive. Play fast. Like, those are pretty much the bare minimum. And we've had bad defenses that we stuck up for. They might have been the 20th-ranked scoring defense, so we have been like, ah, oh, they're so much better than the stats say. But I think it opened up an interesting question in my head when I was listening back to that uh, this morning and when I, when I heard Albert say it. Because I actually scribbled this down on my Albert notes from our interview yesterday. And I think that's where we're going to start the show because it is Brian Flores' day, and it is a day to be celebrated as long as they hire him or as long as he accepts the job, I think might be the better way to put that. But right now, considering we just had Albert Breer say, the Browns are very cognizant that they've got a culture fix happening on the defensive side of the ball, not just a schematic fix happening on the defensive side of the ball. What's more fixable this offseason? What do you think is more fixable this offseason? Is it the offense or the defense? I, I certainly hope it's the offense.
3: Because the offense has got all the playmakers and the offense has the investment mm. and the offense has Kevin Stefanski, which is supposed to be this genius offensive mind. So I'm, I'm hoping that a full off season with Deshaun, a full season with Deshaun, that the offense can get back to where they were really to start the season, averaging almost four touchdowns a game. Mm. So I, I would say that would probably be the easiest Um, how easy is
2: that? I don't know, because I don't know how good Deshaun Watson is. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you can improve the context around Deshaun. Like, I think you can improve. I I think you can solidify this offensive line. Um, And there's a lot that goes into that. Jedrick Wills' future. What do you do at center? Um, I mean, you already re-signed Jack Conklin, but do you consider moving one of the guards if you feel like they were a part of the problem? Like, those are all real questions I think you can get through if you're the Browns this offseason. So I think uh, getting a speed receiver, that's another way. Uh, a, a senior offensive assistant who can bring in spread concepts to the offense. Those are all ways. But can I tell you, and I tell me if you disagree, Dusty. Okay. I don't think either the offense or defense is, is more than an offseason away from being quality, from being where you need to be to be competing for the playoffs in the NFL. I think that's fair to say. Like, and now, it might not be easy to be do both this offseason, depending on how much uh, money Jimmy Haslam wants to spend. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was going through, like, different moves because we talked about re-energizing, right? It's apparent. Browns fans feel broken down right now. It's why when we say, should they fire Kevin Stefanski, 216-578-0092, the phones line up. Oh, it's yeah. why we say, should they fire Paul D. Podesta two, or Jimmy Haslam, 216-578-0092. It's why the phones light up. But it's so funny because I'm mostly I'm mostly in despair because the last two years have been a disappointment. Not that I am absolutely completely convinced that next year's a wash. I'm very skeptical until they prove to me this offseason they come up with a better plan than they did last year Mm -hmm. or last offseason about winning this year. And there are still things that can hold them back. But, like, if you just – if all you do on this defense is fix the defensive line, and I think that's two players. I think it's a starting edge rusher, and I think it's a starting defensive tackle. And you hire a new defensive coordinator – Uh, sorry, the right defensive coordinator. I think that might fix the defense. I think offensively, oh, yeah. I think offensively, figuring out what you really want to do at center and maybe allow James Hudson to, to compete with Jedrick Wills all offseason long for the left tackle spot. And then you add a, like, what are we talking about? We're talking about five moves here. Five moves that if you really, if you move some money around, if you're willing to do that, I think you can do. I think you can do with the right. And by the way, I think it's I, I think it's aggressiveness. I think to fix the offense and defense this off season, it is about being aggressive. And and you know what? Some- well, and listen, I think
3: they have to be Nick because they know they're basically on a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry and Stefanski, like they've got one year to get this right, mm-hmm. or they'll be gone.
2: Well, but I, that yes,
3: and so that to me that a little bit of that can be scary because mm-hmm. they could then screw it up, screw it up, and throw assets at certain things that don't really help the problem. Um, but the other side of things uh, could be that they will be aggressive and go after this, and knowing that they kind of get a, a small window here where they've got to win.
2: Well, and I think I don't think that's a bad thing. Smart people feeling pressure might be something that actually helps. Because I think they felt, I still feel like going into last offseason, even though they felt the sense of urgency to upgrade the quarterback position, I think they slow played defensive tackle and wide receiver. And I think they might have misestimated. I mean, listen, they lost a lot of linebackers. That's that. It, it's impossible to prepare for being on like your fifth Mike linebacker at the end of the season, no matter who you are. But, like, you probably could have done a little bit more to bring in another veteran in that room so it wasn't dependent on Anthony Walker being the only guy to hold it together. I think that's fair. So, like, I think they slow played some things last year. There's no slow playing. You have to be smart and aggressive, a little bit creative, but there's no slow playing this offseason. Not just because these guys get fired, because your championship window is open. That's right. You have Deshaun Watson. You might have doubts about Deshaun Watson, but you better act accordingly like you think he still is a franchise quarterback. Plans for progressive field it includes expansion of the outdoor terrace area near the left field and right field foul poles. That includes a panoramic view of downtown and the field as well. And there's also a dugout club behind home plate that will be installed. The current lease agreement will generate $435 million funds over the next 15 years, $202 million of that used. For this renovation. And some good news for former Browns running back Peyton Hillis, no longer needing a ventilator, stepping the road to recovery for Hillis, who saved his two children from drowning last Thursday after they were caught in a riptide in Pensacola, Florida. Listen to the play-by-play of the NFL playoffs on the Odyssey app on your smartphone
1: within 100 miles of downtown Cleveland. With 2020 Sports, I'm John McCarty.
0: Follow the Cavs with Baskin and Phelps every weekday morning, starting at 10.
4: People I've talked to you think Brian Flores has got a real good shot at it. Yeah, I think there are a couple reasons for that. The first one to me is how you can kind of connect some of these names. Now, Sean Desai, I think, is a little different. He's very friendly with Kevin Stefanski, so there's a connection there. But he would bring, like, Vic Fangio's defense, which is obviously very popular across the league right now. Yeah, the other three, though, um, Jim Schwartz, Brian Flores, and Gerard Mayo, were all brought into the league by Bill Belichick, and all three of them learned the game from Bill Belichick. And, you know, that, I think, kind of goes to the influence employee- of somebody in the front office who's been there for a couple years now, and that's the lions general manager, Bob Quinn. Quinn worked with Flores for years and years. They were in scouting together way back. And so he knows how good flow is.
2: We got to get to the uh, heart of the matter on the Bob Quinn question. That's later in today's show, Dusty. But... Uh I was it was kind of refreshing to hear Albert say Brian Flores is is perceived as the front runner for the Browns defensive coordinator job.
3: Yeah, I mean he's probably the most sought after defensive coordinator out there right now mm-hmm. and for the Browns to be right at the front of the list to get him, I think says a lot because I I didn't really think this was going to be such an appealing job, not because of the players or or the roster or any of that stuff. I just feel like because of the circumstance and mm-hmm. knowing who you're going to work for and knowing if, hey, if Kevin Stefanski doesn't win next year and we don't win next year, we could all be out jobs.
2: I think it's insane Brian Flores isn't um, a candidate for a head coaching job. He might be. Because, uh, like, um, I, I was it you who told me that you were talking to somebody and they said, nah, not a great year to have? Uh, yeah, to I talked
3: somebody to somebody in the league. They said this is not a great year for a lot of you know head coaching candidates.
2: And it's weird because, like, David Shaw apparently is interviewing with Denver I love me some David Shaw even though Stanford struggled the last couple of years. Um, Brian Flores is another guy Jim Harbaugh I think like I think it's asinine that Jim Harbaugh has to call up these teams and be like, hey, will you please talk to me? I think it's crazy. like I know the guy's a weirdo. total but, weirdo. but look at what he's done Like yeah sure. the first four years, five years at Michigan were not where they wanted to be. Okay, and then he changed in the last two years. He's had them in the playoffs for the yeah. first time. Well, and he
3: finally got a quarterback too.
2: Well, that helps. But I just – I I actually am kind of – if the Browns looked at this whole thing and said, well, we don't want to fire Stefanski because we don't like any of these candidates, I think that's crazy. I think there are a lot of great – so my, my greater point with Flores is I think he's a no-brainer. And I think – listen, there's some concerns. Albert talked – about with Flores, Gerard Mayo, and not Jim short Sean Desai. There's a big chance you'd be switching from a odd front to an even front, and or sorry, from an even front to an odd front. Flip that in reverse. Right. It. I do think that I do think that matters more than because it's being completely downplayed. Right. Ah, three, four, four, three. It doesn't really matter anymore. Well, if you still are based uh, three, four, or three down linemen it's going to change the size of the linebackers you need. And so that probably doesn't mean good things for a guy who I still think has really high talent level in JOK.
3: He's still undersized probably to play the the outside backer position.
2: Yeah. Well, even inside. Yeah. Like, look at the inside backers in in odd fronts right now.
3: Yeah, I still think there's a place for JOK though. I mean, teams, smart teams, smart defensive coordinators have a guy that athletic, that size, mm-hmm. who can run and tackle. Like, you just
2: find a place for him. That's fair, but uh, but I also think like none of the Browns, even Anthony Walker, isn't a big guy. You know, he's not 250 pounds, right? And and it, I'm using a little bit more of kind of a gen, um a generic way of thinking about this, like a lot of the odd front teams do tend to have like bigger, like 245, 250, 255 pound inside yeah, like, linebackers. Yeah. So it, it it makes me wonder all right, does that mean the work, uh, the defense is more of a work in progress? And, or, or sorry, there's going to be more work needed to rebuild that defense this offseason. season, because I don't think he can afford it. If you've got to completely retool the 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 mm-hmm. defense to build around a defensive coordinator, I don't think it makes sense. Even somebody who I mean, I I just said I'd hire the the guy as a coach, like even as head somebody coach. head coach. I don't like. I love Brian Flores. If he comes in and says, "Well, to fit my system, we're gonna uh, the only starting to, uh, the only edge rusher you're gonna have back is Miles Garrett, and then we're gonna just kind of rebuild the entire defense through what, free agency. Your front seven. I mean that's and by the way that doesn't just impact free agency it impacts the right. guys you've already drafted right and Andrew Berry's already shown a reticence to kind of of move on from that but 216-578-0092, I asked you to start the show what feels more fixable the offense or the defense and I, I think in part of that you know as if they are a four man front that is similar or something similar to Joe Woods mm-hmm. I think all they really need is probably re-sign Anthony Walker. And I'm talking about need-need. I'm not talking about wants. Not not nice to have, need to have. And I think you need to find a big edge rusher to go across from Miles, and I think you need to find a starting defensive tackle. I think if you find those two things and re-sign Anthony Walker, I, plus a new defensive coordinator, I think it's reasonable to say the Browns could be a good defense again next year. They should be a good defense. Yeah. I mean, they do have good players, especially yeah. at the key positions. Well, and I think you know it, it's so easy to look at whether it's Togi who I I don't know is an NFL player, honestly. Yeah. Um, at least not in this set. Maybe maybe he's more of a nose tackling kind of a, uh, a an odd front team. But like Jordan Elliott, Perion Winfrey, any of the guys that you have, like every, Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas. The best part about adding an actual starting defensive lineman, no offense to Taven Bryan, or a defensive tackle, is everybody moves down the rotation. That makes that, like, if you're the third defensive tackle instead of the second defensive tackle if you're Perry on Winfrey, that's actually an easier adjustment if one of those guys get hurts and you bump mm-hmm. up later in the season. Because mm-hmm. the pressure's different when you're filling in versus if you're the starter. And I think that's it's...
3: F- that's 100% fair.
2: And so I look at that at both edge and and defensive tackle and say, get me that. If you get me that, I think I think the Browns' defense can be fixed relatively quickly. But that's the position where you spend a lot of money.
3: I just I hope that Flores comes in if we you know we hire him, he's the guy. And they look at things and and they're not just trying to completely overhaul just for overhaul's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, look at what you have. You can like I look at so many teams these days. That you you typically would say that's a, that's a three four team they'll play four down fronts. I mean there's so much um, variation in the way teams play defense now, and mm-hmm. especially with with personnel groupings and how much they change in terms of the offense. So like I mean it's a lot of times you're you're basically a nickel as a base defense too. Mm-hmm. So I I just think that Flores is a smart enough coach and a good enough coach that he can make do with with what the Browns already have.
2: Now to the team that at least currently is not looking for a new coordinator uh the offense or that side of the ball what are the fixes the browns need to make offensively uh oh, they need a, a new not a
3: new but they need another wide receiver mm-hmm. um they're gonna have to probably get some fixes on the offensive line I, I don't trust left tackle right now mm-hmm. so whether that be somebody <coughs> excuse me somebody else coming in or drafting somebody um
2: and that's about it If the Browns were to start thinking long term about Jedrick Wills, Mm -hmm. I think the most intelligent thing they could do is with that whatever that second round pick is, uh, take it, take a left tackle, give him a year because second round left tackles it's really tough to plug and play, but allow them to battle Jedrick Wills and pick up the fifth. uh, Well, let's see here, carry the two. You wouldn't need to pick up the fifth year option on Jed if you draft somebody so you could basically let Jed play out his fourth year right. and then what in what would be his fifth year he goes into free agency and that second rounder replaces him there you go so i i don't know your i guess the greater point is we get really locked into the guy's got to replace him now if you're going to if you're going to replace Jedrick Wills it's going to be a two one to two maybe three year process and it might involve drafting somebody in the second third or fourth round the wide receiver thing's interesting because Nuke Hopkins is available, and Keith and I have had it out on Nuke Hopkins because I think that kind of move makes a ton of sense. I don't know he's the same deep threat player he was no, but three he, years ago.
3: he can still flat-out ball.
2: And so, Well, but I think it does matter, though. Like, if he has that home run speed, mm-hmm. I think it makes it even more of a no-brainer. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. like, do you run the risk of – we have too many slower possession type receivers. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. And I think the bigger concern is will you pay New Hopkins? Again, I, I'm not... Jimmy Haslam has one worth to me right now. And that one worth is he opens up that bank account every time or, or seemingly every time they've asked him to when it comes to moving salary cap space around or spending on 17 head coaches at once. Give me that. So... I don't know that Nuke is the absolute right answer. People have mentioned Brandon Cooks, who I, I think is a little cooked at this point. Ooh. Did I did there? Yeah. 216-578-0092. What feels more fixable with the Browns this offseason, the offense or the defense? But before we get into anything else on Brian Flores Day, I do have to ask you whether you have a hater out there that's working behind the scenes.
3: I don't know. I think so. Because if you listen to the show, we've got this little funny intro. And I always joke about, because people give me a hard time, like, oh, you only had eight tackles in the NFL, whatever. And so somebody just pointed out on Twitter, I think the NFL maybe took a tackle away from me.
2: Okay. Um, Because it now only says seven. Wait, who does it? Because there's a bunch of different sites to look up stats.
3: So I went on uh, Pro Football Reference Mm -hmm. and also NFL.com, and it says seven tackles. Mm. But if you go on espn.com mm-hmm. it says 8 still
2: ah. I, so it's cha- it, so it's it, clearly that it's do, changed do it's have, not you imagining it I, I,
3: no s- something changed it's always said 8 i think we just need to go back and watch those games and tally ourselves right do you i think if you go is, back and tally those up you're going to find more tackles listen
2: you've got a guy for everything we've talked about this do you need a do you need like a stat um i'm telling you do i have a hater at nfl.com that has
3: access to going back and changing stats wouldn't, in 2008. Actually,
2: wouldn't it be really, really funny if it was like some intern from this station like 10 years ago? I this- actually think that what you
3: should do, here's the task for you. Like go back and find those tackles. Mm-hmm. Let's record, screen record them. Put together a little highlight video. Mm-hmm. If you had eight, nine tackles, whatever it was. And then we'll send them into the NFL oh, and say, more, here, you, like you got to th- change th- th- the stats. 13.
2: Oh, see, I, see, again, I think he needs to have a guy for this a well, highlight. I, make a highlight video. Well, on. yeah, but, but I... Yeah, ha- good luck finding those games. And also, Dustin, no offense. He doesn't have Adobe Premiere. Dustin's not cutting up those oh, things. No, I'm actually really good. Oh, you at, are? At
3: movie edit- right. editing. I'm okay. not good at audio editing. With, okay. With all the stuff we have here.
2: All right. So then, okay. Yeah. So, well, I still think you got to have a, a grunt do the grunt work here. F- fish out your eight tackles. And you know what? If you can find a, nine, a ninth tackle just to really stick it to the man, I think you do it.
3: I do not know how this changed.
0: If you have a really good guy that can edit, maybe you could edit uh, one of the tackles to make it look like you had two. Against, like change the team on the back end, like the second play, make it also the ninth play
3: against a different team. All of
2: a sudden, Dustin's got 50 tackles I'm telling in the NFL. You,
3: I'm telling you against the Eagles and in 06, I had at least four tackles in that game. They gave me one. Why? What do you mean why? Maybe it's that person. I don't know, man. Maybe it was somebody who was guys, just I'm like. I'm telling the people that assign these stats after the game, you go back in locker room, you're like, i just played special teams, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, man, I was in on like five, six, seven tackles. Mm-hmm. One. You get one tackle. Do they do half
2: tackles uh, on like, uh, on like, like special like teams? Like assists? Yeah. yeah. Like, like sis yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. We need to get to the bottom of this. This is crazy. Because, listen, I believe – I just let me state for everybody. Roger Goodell, if he's listening, Kevin Warren, the future NFL commissioner who just went from Big Ten commish to uh, CEO of the Chicago Bears, if you guys are listening – I believe Dustin Fox had eight tackles in his damn career. And I will not I will not rest. That's a little bit hyperbole. I will not rest easy until Dustin Fox's eighth tackle is reinstated by the NFL. That's ridiculous. 216, 578, 0092. We need ideas on this. And at Nick Wilson says, how can we get Dustin's eighth tackle back? And I want it reinstated. It does feel like the most important hire the Browns have made in a minute. Like like when you get to like the moves they made, obviously right. the quarterback moves that nothing will ever trump that. But like in like this is as important to me as getting a good edge rusher or a good defensive tackle.
3: Oh, there's no question. I mean, this has been the area of concern now for 3 years. It's been the defense, the defense, the defense. We've been like, you know, on Joe Wood's watch what, what feels like for, you know, well over six, 16 months. So, yeah, this is a huge hire. We're going to we're going to, you know, hopefully get Flores in or Gerard Mayo or someone of that ilk and and hopefully they can turn this thing around.
2: I think Brian Flores is the kind of hire that immediately adds credibility to your organization. Right? And Absolutely. I don't know, I don't know that and I'm not talking about externally. I don't give a crap if a hiring Brian Flores appeases the national media crowd or even Gerard Mayo who I really think is kind of a guy that, like, I would not hate it if he was, like, the fallback plan in this whole scenario. So, I think it's crucially important. But, like, I think think internally, and we said this yesterday, I think internally, the Browns need... This offseason needs to be about revitalizing the Cleveland Browns. And I'm talking about in that building, and I'm talking about the people who support that building and the fans. Right. Because... I mean this the morale where we are right now and you heard it if you guys heard it the the first couple of days of this week it was sad trombone radio it was pissed off it was furious and that's just and by the way that's the proper response when you went 11 and 5 and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in a playoff game where you were down mm-hmm. multiple people and they weren't when that happens the expectations after should be elevated and they have not even come close to sniffing that level yet, but there's still an opportunity. Like I, you know, it's going to be the rough thing. What's that? It's going to be rough to not go overboard when they hire Flores. What, like to to show excitement? Yeah, and to be like, well, I, happy about it. I and... think being happy or excitement about it's fine, but like you can't go from, uh, man, maybe Kevin Stefanski shouldn't be calling plays. Maybe Kevin Stefanski should be fired to Super Bowl Super Browns. <laughs> right? I think that's fair. Like I think to me it's it, they're like three really important things that have to happen this off season for for the Browns to to really energize their fans and I think I think this is a really key thing. Reenergize that locker room. I think Kevin Stefanski I th- th- we always get into the hot seat. Hot seat is that if you work for Jimmy Haslam, you're probably on the hot seat. <laughs> After year one, you're probably on the hot seat with old Jimbo because he seems like a guy who might be a little bit less patient and a little bit more emotional and less analytical you think? than other NFL owners, I do think, and I like the way he said that. So, like, I think I think hiring Brian Flores, and it's uh, that's the the best name, I think, but it's knocking the defensive coordinator search out of the park. Right. It's it's getting the right guy yeah. and and not having to sell it. And there's a difference. Like Sean Desai, I and I I like Sean Desai. I don't know automatically he's a bad coordinator fit. There's a guy that's got Kevin Stefanski connections and he's got one year as a DC. And let's just say, even though there are reasons for it, they were bottom twelve in the NFL in most key stats, like scoring defense, like um pressure, like things like that. So that's going to be a sell. You're going to have to sell Sean DeSai to the fans, and for an organization that I do think has to really start invest—not investing, but understanding that that there are moves that you've got to make. Right. right? You can't just take for granted that Browns fans are just going to be all in on this team or happy to talk about this team, especially with the Cavs as good as they are. And the Guardians as good as they are, I don't know that I agree with you. How so? Because we've
3: seen the fans stick with the Cleveland Browns through thick and thin. It, do, it doesn't matter what that they've uh, done to the, to them in terms of who they drafted, who they've hired, who they've fired, how many wins they have like. Fans through one in thirty one were still there. I think, and now a- they gave them that that little taste of the the playoffs back in twenty twenty.
2: Mm-hmm. I I think that's that that bought them another twenty years. I think that's a fair point about what fans have already been through. I don't listen. I don't think fans are going to be. I'm not going to the Browns. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pay any attention to the Browns. But I do think, like, I think a lot of the tried and true Browns fans are maybe a little. Like, I think I'm the rare person of my age that is Browns dominant. Right? Actually, that's not fair. I I love the Browns, Cavs, and Guardians equally. They get my interest equally. If the Guardians are bad uh, in September, I'm more likely to pay attention to the Browns. But, like, all three teams, but I think that's more, like, I think there's a segment of Browns fans who are ride-or-die Browns fans. Sure. Because that's what they grew up with being good. Right? Like, people a little bit older than my dad's age, like my great-uncle's age. Okay. Like, all right, they walked yeah, into if you're Paul in your, Brown in your
3: and, 70s or 60s.
2: I mean, I think even as young as 40 or 50, because remember, the first 20 years of their lives, the Guardians were trash and the Cavs yeah. were hit or miss. The Cavs in between the miracle at Richfield and Mark Price and Brad Doherty, not great, Bob. It was world brief free, chucking up 75 shots a game. And so it's not that people are going to completely tune out the Browns, but I do think like this is an important offseason. To re-energize the fans, I think that's what Flores does. Now, I think a great trade. I think there's going to be some NFL veterans out there on the cheap trade-wise that I think if you were to trade for them would energize both fans and that locker room. Like if tomorrow, if tomorrow they announced a trade for Nuke Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins out of Arizona, if you guys don't know his nickname, I think that's a move that would get players really excited. Um, Cam Jordan. Who I actually have talked myself into. He's thirty-four. He's old, but he still can ball. And yeah. that guy is is somebody that would be feared in the locker room. And he's never played across from Miles Garrett. Can you imagine Cam Jordan's numbers oh, next year? He'd have he'd have a ball. Mike, Marcus Davenport uh had a very disappointing season. David Onyemata was hurt most of the year. Like the Saints defensive line is not what it was a couple years ago. And Cam Jordan still had eight and a half sacks. It was never easier to defend their defensive line, and Cam Jordan still had eight and a half sacks. He's never played. He's 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 played against Carl Granderson opposite of him, right? Not Cam Jordan. So I think Cam Cameron Jordan is is the perfect kind of guy to bring in. To me, you know who he is. He's this year's Amari Cooper. I think, given his age and given he's going to want to get paid. I mean, Amari's a lot younger. Oh no, but I I meant like Amari a was Amari was cheap for a reason. Amari wanted to get uh, Amari was Dallas wanted to make Amari the bad guy, right. want to make their scapegoat, and they had already drafted C.D. Lamb and paid Michael Gallup and uh, there was somebody else they had paid, but I can't um, well one of the tight ends, but like he came cheap because of the perception of him is not a number one. Cam Jordan, the perception at 34 and probably going to have to make $15 million a year, I think that probably aids into not having to give up a top 100 pick. Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us?
4: Hey, uh, guys. I want your weigh in on this aspect of this, this selection. Is um, is anybody nobody? I heard anybody talk about the potential of selecting a one-and-done and how much that could hurt us if we started to develop. You know, if we get a guy like Flores, and you know he elevates us quite highly, and you know how it goes, there's going to be five new coaches needed next year. He'd be a super big candidate. Um, Would I mean? Is there any thought you think they're taking to that? Like they don't want to see the guy leave after one year?
2: Yeah, I'm sure that's a factor in it. I don't think it should stop them. Thank you for the call, buddy. I don't think that should stop them from making the the right hire, though. Right? I think it's accurate because if Brian Flores comes in. And let's, uh, Brian Flores is going to bring in a couple key staffers that he wants. One of those guys probably can be slid up to defensive coordinator. And here's the other thing. I actually think, I think Brian Flores' best chance to a full-time head coaching job again might be this kind of situation. Where he gets in another interim jo-
3: uh, like job yes. mid-season next year, and then yes. all of a sudden from there, whether he
2: keeps it here, gets a job somewhere else. And I wouldn't be surprised as part of the negotiations that Brian Flores' agent says, hey, we're happy to be here, we're expecting to be here, but if anything happens to Kevin Stefanski, we get the interim job. Because yeah. I think that happens quite a bit in, in situations like this.
5: We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.